for this message, uh, a stunning reality hit me. Tomorrow is Labor Day. Does that come as a shock to anyone else? It seems like summer has flown right by. And so Labor Day is upon us, and it occurred to me that I really have no idea what Labor Day is. And so there's all sorts of holidays that we celebrate in the United States. And I know about some of those holidays like Independence Day and Christmas. But when it comes to Labor Day, I really don't have an idea of what Labor Day really is about. And I, I, I can appreciate the day off. I can get the gist of what it's about. But I don't know if I can really observe Labor Day like I can with Christmas. And I think in order for us to observe of a holiday, you have to have two components to it. One is knowledge. You have to understand what exactly is going on, and that's the purpose of holidays. It's to remind us that this is what has happened, and this is the value of it. And so with Christmas, we are reminding ourselves that God himself came in the form of human flesh as a baby to live and die for our sins, amen? That is what happened. And so we remind ourselves every Christmas time that that is what Christmas is about. This is what is important about it. But the second component is having a celebration or honoring of what happened. It gives it value. It's one thing to know that Jesus came as a baby here uh, on this earth, but it's another thing to actually celebrate that, to honor that, to say this is important. This is valuable. Let's encourage everyone to be involved with what this is. Let it move our hearts and our minds. And I think that one of the things that is evident with us as Americans is that there are times where holidays come and they go and we really have no idea what it's about. It's just another day off. And I think that if, when it comes to Christianity, there are certain disciplines that we observe as Christians, and if we're not careful, they either become mundane or they just become some mysterious thing that we do and we really don't know why we do it. And so I want to talk to you about something that we observe quite often here at Grace Assembly, and that is communion. How many of you grabbed uh, a cup from the basket as you came by? There is uh, there are cups that you can go and grab. So if you haven't grabbed those, at some point during the service, I promise I won't call you out. Just go and grab one and we will, uh, we will take communion together. But I wanted to examine why communion? Why do we observe communion? We find examples all across the New Testament of, of, of communion, and we're going to take a look at what Paul's teaching is on communion, and we can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes." 
Now, a phrase that is repeated a couple of times uh, in those verses is this, in remembrance of me, in remembrance of me. That brings me to my first point. As we observe communion, it is to serve as a reminder. It is to serve as a reminder. Now, it's important to understand exactly why we are doing that, why we are reminding ourselves. Some faith traditions put a different emphasis on communion than we do. And they're under the impression that the ritual itself, the act itself, dispenses grace. It dispenses blessing. And the reason why that is, to use a couple of theological terms, is as they believe in the idea of either transom substantiation or consubstantiation. That is a mouthful. Um, Thankfully, we don't have to repeat those phrases over and over and over again, but what those phrases mean is, is that the wafer, the bread, and the juice, the blood, they are literally becoming the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, or at the very least, the presence of God is attached to those elements. So they believe that when they take communion, they are are literally taking in Jesus Christ. They are literally taking in blessing and life. And I want to, I want to uh, encourage you today that this is not how we observe communion. This is not how we worship the Lord Almighty. Because my Bible tells me that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is the sole dispenser of grace and blessing. He has already done the work on our behalf. He has already given the blessing. We just simply have to receive that blessing. Amen? We don't have to go through a ritual over and over and over again to hear from God because if we had to do that, then Jesus Christ never would have had to come, right? So we have Jesus Christ who came and now we can simply respond to what he has already done. How many of you can say amen to that? Amen. Amen. And so with that, um, this is why we call uh, communion the ordinance of communion. The ordinance of communion. It is not a sacrament. A sacrament, again, has that Old Testament model. If you do this, then I will bless. An ordinance is simply a recognition, an outward recognition of this is what God has already done. He has already blessed. He has already given favor. We just simply have to receive and remember what he has done. It is a relational worship instead of an obligatory worship. It is personal. It is interactive. It is something that he is already here in our midst, so we don't have to rely on a ritual for his presence to come into us. His presence is already on the inside of us, and that is a cause for praise. So what are we reminding ourselves of? Well, verses 23 through 24 says that when we take the wafer, when we take the bread, we are to remember Christ's body. So what does that mean? 
It means that Christ did not stand far off and remained in heaven as we were continuing on with our sins. It means that he literally put on human flesh. He said, I cannot stand to have this separation any longer and and, and allow humanity to continue to die in, in their sins. I have to do something. I'm going to come in the form of human flesh and I am going to live and then I'm going to die for the sins of humanity. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Because of the wounds of Jesus suffered here on earth, we have the promise of healing today. Because of the wounds of Jesus, we have the promise of deliverance. We have the promise of restoration. And because we have the example of Christ coming to us in the form of human flesh, we have that perfect demonstration for us that encourages us to says that even while we were sinners, Christ came and he died for us. He, we serve a personal God that wants to speak to us, that wants to lift us up. Today, if you are here and you have felt separated from God, today is the day for you to come to Jesus Christ, amen? Today is the day for you to know him personally and he has made that possible, he has made that so. This is not the only thing that we are reminding ourselves of. We are also reminding ourselves of the blood that he shed. Verse 25 says this, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever, uh, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So what does this new covenant of the blood mean? In the Old Testament, there were animal sacrifices that were made continuously. Why? Because humanity consistently failed and fell short of the glory of God. They consistently sinned. And so they were constantly under uh, this obligation, because I sinned, I now have to offer a sacrifice in order to be made right. And so uh, there was this constant sacrifice that was going up again and again and again. And here's another thing to consider. We actually had the law in front of us. We had it all spelled out. These are the things to do. Here are the things that you can't do. And you know what? For centuries, humanity was constantly trying to obey the law and consistently failed and as such had to constantly give a sacrifice over and over and over again. And the Bible says that the blood of goats and bulls cannot clean you from your sin. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ. So today, when we remind ourselves by taking communion, we are reminding ourselves that the blood of Jesus Christ did what we as human beings couldn't do for centuries. It, it is to remind us that the animal sacrifices were only meant to point us to the greater sacrifice in Jesus Christ. He offered himself so that we can have a 
new covenant, a new way to approach him where we could say, God, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your forgiveness. And now I have the presence of the living God living on the inside of me. I don't have to have a ritual. I don't have to do a work. I could simply say, thank you, God, and call out to him. Isn't that something to give God praise for? Not only do we observe communion as a reminder of what Christ, who Christ is and what he has done, but we also take communion because it points us to our glorious reunion. It points us to our glorious reunion. Verse 26 says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, until he comes. Remember what the ordinance is. It's an outward observance of what has already taken place in the spirit. And so that means that there is an immediate impact, but there's also a future impact. And so that future impact is that because God has set me free from the law of sin and death and has placed me in a new covenant where I could stand in life and life more abundantly, that means that at one point I will now have a glorious reunion where where I will spend eternity with those of my loved ones who have already passed on in Christ, but also spend eternity with him for all of eternity, giving praise, singing holy, 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 and shouting hallelujah. That is our glorious hope. That is our future. And we, we do that because Christ has promised, I'm coming back. Amen. He says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I'm going to go and you will live one day with me in paradise. So today, if you find yourself that you are a, you are a stranger to faith, please understand that God right now is calling out to your soul and says, I want you to spend eternity with me forever and ever and ever. I want you to have life and life more abundantly. I want to be close to you. I want to give myself to you. Today, all you have to do is simply say, yes, Lord, I receive. Yes, Lord, I receive what you are saying. I turn from where I was, where I was before, and now I'm turning to where you, uh, to where you are calling me to, to, to be. God calls, God, when we take communion, we're reminded of what he's done in the past. We are looking forward to what he, what, we have for, what he has for us in the future. But what does all of this mean? What does all of this mean? It means our redemption. It means our redemption. Now, as a pastor here at Grace Assembly, I was talking with my uncle yesterday and I went and said, you know, I never knew all of the things that I had to be involved in in being involved in ministry. And I actually uttered the phrase a couple of times in some of my classes in Bible school, what in the world does, it, what difference does this make? I just want to minister. I just want to teach about the Bible. I want to do all of these things. And I find myself in things that I never thought I would be involved in. And one of those things that I am involved in for whatever reason, for whatever reason, is technology. How many of you appreciate technology? There's some really good things about technology, amen? 
there, because of technology, we're able to have a conversation like this for those of us who are online. But you know what? I love technology, but there is an aspect of technology that makes me lose my mind. It is so incredibly frustrating because no matter how good and what good it can be accomplished, there is always an aspect where it will fail. And so I find myself uh, this week, in fact, encountering multiple aspects of technology not working, including the computer that is in the office that one time was set to the right date, but for whatever reason last week decided to set itself to a date that was five days before. And so I'm like, why? Why did that happen? It was fine, and now it's not fine. And so I find that with technology, it is frustrating, it has limitations, it will fail, and inevitably, it will become obsolete. And I find that there are, there are moments in my life that I find myself like technology where I feel like something has passed me by. I will never reach a moment where God can look down and be happy with me. I have reached a moment where all of these people are passing me by and I'm just looking going, there's never gonna be a moment where I can advance forward. I am obsolete, I have failed. I am just waiting for Christ to come because I'm just a piece of garbage that is, is waiting for God to put me out of my misery. And I find that this, uh, this picture um, that is about to be put up is a perfect example of what Christ has done. There is an artist by the name of Steve Roddick. He takes discarded computer and electronic waste, things that have been deemed no longer valuable, things that are no longer serving their original purpose, and he takes them all together and he, and he fashions them into something new, something whole, something beautiful. You see, Jesus takes the broken pieces of our lives and he puts them together and he fashions them into a new masterpiece, a new creation, and something, and gives you a greater purpose than what you ever could before, something that will not fail, something that will not know defeat. Why? Because now you rest in the hands of your creator. And so we have a creator today that says, I'm not willing to leave you broken. I want to lift you up and so that you can be made whole again and have a greater purpose than what you've ever had before. Hebrews chapter 10 sums this up on why we observe communion. The, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshipers have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And as we skip ahead to verse 10, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. You see, yeah, absolutely. Give God some praise because of that. 
before Christ, everything that we could have done would have only reminded us of our failure. You see, sins would have, our sins would have been abolished on the outside, but the inside is, is what really needed to be changed. Our hearts needed to be changed. Our spirits needed to be changed. Our souls needed to be changed. And no matter what we have done or what we could possibly do, without Christ, we would have consistently hit that same wall over and over and over again. But because of Christ and his body and his blood, we now have redemption and we are able to live a life of holiness. We are able to live a life of purpose that is greater than ourselves. And we are able to stand in his presence and be thankful for what he has given us today. Can I have the worship team come on up? Today, some of you are here today and you are wondering, how can I have an intimate relationship with God? How can I have that personal relationship? It seems like I have lived this life all up to this point and I have felt separated from God. I have felt disconnected. No matter what I've done, no matter what I've tried, I have still been in that same place over and over and over again. Today, I can encourage you today that you uh, can stand in the presence of God right now and you can simply respond, yes, God. Yes, God, I receive your life. I receive what you are trying to do. I receive you today.